Are you the Zodiac Killer? There was. There would be nothing farther from my mind. No, I'm certainly, most certainly not the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> Presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on why we killed 290. A study on why it's called Demoside. Alright everybody, welcome to episode 201 of the Art and Jacob Do American Podcast. I am your host, in the place to be Mr. Jacob P, and sitting right across from me is the brown recluse Mr. Art Trail on a late Friday night. Art, late, say, man. it is, I'm tired as fuck. Say hello to the millions. And millions, what the America. fuck is going on, America? Yeah, I called you America. I don't care if you're in South Africa, or Zimbabwe, or... Ethiopia, we got a lot of Ethiopian fans. That's amazing. What's up with that? Considering y'all ain't got like no food and shit, like you got an iPhone to be fucking downloading our our episodes. But thank you nonetheless. Yeah. Anyways, guys, like Jacob said, it's late. It's late here in uh, the United States of America. Uh, you know what would help me stay up a little bit later? Some Caveman Coffee. Guys, go to CavemanCoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the nitro cold brew. They got shorts. They got jackets. They got anything and everything to uh, get your... Oh, Valentine's Day is over. What's the next holiday? St. Patrick's Day? St. Patrick's Day. Get your uh, significant other a St. Patrick's Day gift. Whatever. Is that St. Patrick's Day? Is that... Do they give gifts on that? Uh, You can give the gift of life because I think you're getting some drunk butt. Oh, yeah. Get some of that. Um, Anyways, um, guys, go to kmancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. Get yourself a hoodie. It's still kind of cold out there. Go ahead and do it. Um, and then when you're at checkout, type in America to receive 15% off. That helps us. That helps them. Take a picture of yourself wearing your hoodie. Take a picture of yourself drinking the coffee. Tag us. Tag them. We appreciate it. They appreciate it. We love you. They love you. Thank you so much. Shanty. So with that said, everybody, make sure you check out our other sponsor. Guys, they're great. The powerful. The flavorful. Oh, was that a Nazi salute? No. <laughs> El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Guys, the kings of flavor since 1968. That is 50 plus years of flavor town. <laughs> Fucking Nazi salute. <laughs> Valkyrie over here. Um, 50 plus years of flavor town. Guy Fieri would be proud uh, because you can find El Yucateco Hot Sauce wherever they sell food, guys. And in, just in case you cannot find El Yucateco uh, on your shelves, let's just say, let's pretend it's been sold out. El Yucateco is available worldwide. Mr. Worldwide, like Mr. Yeah, Pitbull, yeah. right? Uh, let's just say they're sold out. You know, people was going ham on the on the El Yucateco. Just guys, just go to shopelucateco.com, enter promo code DOAMERICA upon checkout. 
Um, and make sure that's one word. Do America is one word, y'all. Uh, and we'll save you 10% off your entire purchase. And just like Caveman Coffee, they got hats, they got shorts, they got underwear. Um, I even think they have um, bras. Damn. You want to get yourself an L.U. Tuckle bra? Go to shoplu.com, enter promo code DOAMERICA, take a picture of yourself wearing your L.U. Tuckle bra, Send us a picture. You can send it to in our DMs or whatever, but, you know, we prefer you put it in your stories or whatnot. Tag us. Tag them. So that way they know that you are supporting El Yucateco as well as our little tiny podcast. So with that said, Art, it is time to wrap up our coverage. Yeah, I know, man. It's been a Zodiac whole month coverage. of Zodiac. I'm, I'm all for it, though, man. I'm all for the Zodiac, man. Anytime you guys want to hit me up and have a Zodiac conversation, I'm down. Go meet up at Lake Berryessa. Yeah, just... just uh, you know, I was at uh, Santa Barbara recently, and I guess there's like some linkage to um, that college kid that was killed in Santa Barbara, right? We talked about him last mm-hmm. episode, and I was like, "Damn, I wish I would have known that," because I usually like to just put it on my like Zodiac checklist. Even Riverside is on my Zodiac checklist, where it's like, "Done, I've been here, I've seen the murders, seen nothing here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, problem solved. There's a Starbucks here, but yeah. um. I just want to put this out there that, you know, I, I really like doing this format where, you know, we kind of split the topic up a little bit. It gives us a little it gives us a little bit more time to examine the uh, the topic at hand, get our hands a little bit more dirtier and have a little bit more conversation. Uh, but with that said, guys, if you're coming to this podcast to write your master's thesis or you're trying to get every nook and cranny of information on the Zodiac Killer, you won't find it here, even though we spent three episodes talking about it. Um, I do highly recommend going to ZodiacKiller.com if you want to, you know, learn everything that there is to know about the Zodiac Killer, as well as check out the podcast Monster Zodiac Killer. They have 15 straight episodes where they dig and dive on everything there is to know about the Zodiac Killer. Sometimes I think they go into overkill because there's some stuff that, you know, you really don't need to know about the Zodiac Killer. But there's some good Zodiac stuff out there, man. Yeah. So check that stuff out. This is more for entertainment purposes. Yeah. Or you can go to uh, Ted Cruz's website. He has, <laughs> he has his website up. You can go to tedcruz.org slash, um, I forgot what is it. Oh, you so Ted Cruz is, has a, a oh, this web is, store. Oh, this is not a joke. No, this isn't a joke. <laughs> Ted Cruz is a web store, right? So they have shirts, they have everything, and they have like Ted Cruz 2022 web stuff. So like, and I think it's promo code VEDAMEL to get 20% <laughs> off. <laughs> is that one word? <laughs> yeah, all one word, guys. It's all Ted Cruz beta male. Uh, beta male plus, I think, gives you like an extra 20%. So it's like almost 50%. You end up getting almost 40% off a Ted Cruz shirt. And if you order now, we'll include some estrogen blockers from InfoWars. Yeah. Oh, my God, man. I want a Ted Cruz face mask that, that, just, has, that just has the bottom half of his face. <laughs> and that pointy little nose. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. So you mentioned Ted Cruz. And in this episode... Uh, we're going to give, we uh, the first episode we gave you, you know, the f- confirmed five murders that the Zodiac Killer did. Second episode, we gave you all the letters and correspondences he, that he had with the San Francisco Chronicle, as well as, you know, the uh, LA Times and San Francisco PD. Uh, this episode, we're going to go over some of the suspects. There's Now, we're not going to go over all 2,500 of the suspects, but we're just going to go down the list of the ones that kind of stood out to us. Um, and right off the top, um, it's the internet joke since 2013 uh ted cruz <laughs> whenever you bring up zodiac the next name that comes up is uh ted cruz uh, we joked about it you know the first two episodes but and here it is for a third episode here it is for the here third we episode. go again are you ready 
Uh, guys, Ted Cruz uh, did it. Um, he is in jail. And with that said, everybody, have a good night. Guys, check out the Patreon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no uh, let, let's face it. Ted Cruz is kind of a... I hate Ted Cruz. Like, I do too. It's, the funny thing is, like, I'm not hating him because he's a Republican. Like, I don't care what his political party is. Like, there's some Republicans that I'm, like, all right with. It's like, whatever. Like, you're kind of bullshit, but whatever. But this guy is, like, full-on bullshit. Like, I hate... I, I'm i wearing a Zodiac killer patch right now. I don't want him associated to the Zodiac at all. <laughs> like, it's me, Zodiac. Cool. You're a cool dude. You're into puzzles. I dig that. <laughs> uh, Zodiac and Ted Cruz are not... Can we stop that meme, guys? Uh, Ted Cruz is kind of a bitch, dude. Like, I just don't want to fuck with that dude. And I didn't understand, like, where that even began. Like, someone put it up there, like, oh, Ted Cruz is the Zodiac. I kept seeing that, like, you know, back in the 2016 election when he was uh, running for president. And I was like, he doesn't even look like the sketch. But it went, the way I guess it got started was it was, like, kind of like a, a, a meme that got started on Twitter back in 2013 where, like, he was, like, he was, he was vowing that he was going to dismantle piece by piece himself you know obamacare uh-huh. and i guess somebody like uh like a comedian let's just say for for the fuck of it let's just say it was duncan trussell right uh-huh. you know put up there like like he like took like the you know on c-span like how they have like the the words on the bottom that they're saying and whatnot the closed captioning like he put like the meme on there of like <laughs> this is zodiac talking or this is zodiac <laughs> speaking <laughs> i will dismantle obamacare or whatever and i was like oh that's fucking hilarious and so that's where it came from not that Ted Cruz looks like the Zodiac sketch, because to be quite frank, like he's always looked like fucking Grandpa Munster. Yeah, he does look like Grandpa Munster. Funny story about Ted Cruz. Apparently, like back in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, he showed up to a Nine Inch Nails concert, and like he had like backstage passes. What the fuck? Yeah, and like Trent. Re- it's funny if you ever Google like Ted Cruz at a Nine Inch Nails concert. I guess he like showed up and he was like trying to be a cool guy and like get drunk with everyone. Wearing those Nike Monarchs and shit. Yeah, and Trent Reznor's like, oh, uh, actually, like, I've been sober now for like the last like five years. Like, can you please not bring that energy around here? Like, <laughs> and like he, I guess he like asked like his like road manager like, hey, um, I can't have this like drunk douchebag coming in here and like fucking things up. Like, like me and the dudes were just chilling here like being cool dudes and Ted Cruz is over here trying to get like drunk like this on fucking Motley Crue concert or something. <laughs> Try to do a keg stand and shit. Yeah, I was like, uh, get the fuck out of here, Ted Cruz. <laughs> so Ted Cruz, not the Zodiac. No. But a fucking douchebag. Sounds like a douche. Yes. So uh, another Ted that comes up as a suspect as a Zodiac killer is Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Oh, interesting. I'm, interesting. I believe we covered the Unabomber on episode 104. Don't yeah. quote me on that. Um, but... There's a lot of similarities to, you know, the Zodiac's MO as well as Ted Kaczynski's MO. Yeah, a lot of similarities. Um, The one thing that people would point out that really kind of make it seem like it couldn't have been the Zodiac is I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and the sad part about this whole thing is I have notes that I forgot at home, and it's kind of a bummer, but whatever. I know it well enough. But I believe that Ted... or no, not Ted Cruz. That I believe that Ted Kaczynski... um, was working at a factory in like the outskirts of Chicago during some of this time period. Mm-hmm. So the, the timeline doesn't really add up that well. 
it's possible. It's possible because he did travel a lot. He did do random things like that. And he did attend Berkeley in the late 60s. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going you know, through the entire timeline between 74 and we'll say 62 of the Zodiac uh, murders, uh, there was a time period in, within the Zodiac's time that, you know, Ted Kaczynski that was an area. two timelines did overlap. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, he was famous for writing some letters. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing that I will point out is he, he was caught because of the verbiage he used, because of some of, the, like, just he had a very, like, old school Chicago, grew up on these newspapers. Yeah, see. Yeah, well, of style of writing. And you don't see that in the Zodiac letters at mm-hmm. all. Like, not one of those. And he's super college educated. Like, he wrote his manifesto, like, without any misspellings and punctuation <laughs> errors. And the Zodiac letters, full of punctua- punctuation and grammatical errors and, like, Run misspellings. Yeah, like, it's you get the concept. You understand what he's saying. And maybe, like we talked about in the last episode, that there's probably done with the purpose of you can't catch me. And maybe, you know, one step ahead of the whole Ted Kaczynski thing. But, like, you can't catch me. It took a fucking supercomputer for you to even crack my code. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so clever in the sense that humans don't really write this way. Maybe four-year-olds write this way, but, like, super smart four-year-olds write this way (laughs) to the point where it's, like, that's not the way a normal person writes. Like, he has some understanding of the minute that there's a pattern, he breaks it, even in his writing. And it's kind of clever. Yeah. And then not only that... I mean, you you brought up like the patterns and whatnot. Ted Kaczynski was also into cryptograms and ciphers and shit like that. But more or less, like as a hobby, it's not like when he was sending out you know his letters and whatnot. Not yeah. like he was sending that out, um, you know, to you know decode this and whatnot. If catch me if you can, kind of thing. Ted Kaczynski kind of seemed like he had more of a point where he was trying to make a point about society. Where we were talking on you know last week's Patreon, where it's just like. As technology gets better, like, you know, the, the, the Ted Kaczynski kind of was right <laughs> in his manifesto yeah. or whatever, right? <laughs> Whereas, like, Zodiac was just, like, he has, like a, like, a tinge of, like, not a tinge, but he has more narcissism behind it where he's, yeah. like, doing it for the fame. I even brought up last time. Um, doing it for the lols, as our friend Monica would say. There you go, yeah. <laughs> um, where even, like, it felt, at, I mentioned it last episode, where it kind of felt like he... In this time, talking about you know time periods like overlapping, where like he was like in competition like with Manson, you know, for how much media coverage like he can get. So Ted Kaczynski wasn't doing it for the nookie, you know, to, to yeah. quote the great American poet Fred Durst. Uh-huh. He was doing it because he actually cared about society. I mean, he went too far right with it or whatever, or far left. I don't know what you want to. He went too extreme with it, where it was just like it was more of a from a, a caring place. Whereas, like, Zodiac was just like, this is all about me. I'm going to fuck some shit up real quick. You know, it's funny. You bring up Limp Bizkit, not to get too far off topic, but on the Patreon episode, (laughs) I talked about how, like, me and Ben were, like, listening to, like, these weird early 2000s, late 90s soundtracks, like the End of Day soundtrack and things like that. And um, I think it's on the End of Day soundtrack. Limp Bizkit has a song on it, and I never heard it. I think it's called, like, Crush or something. I just heard it this morning. Like, I was like, I was like, let me jam it up a little bit. Ben would just sent me this like playlist or whatever, and I heard that song, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds okay. This sounds pretty cool. This is like some very like modern sounding Limb Biscuit here. Let's see where we're going with this." And it was the shittiest thing. And I was like, "No one of this didn't make an album. Like this is bad, <laughs> even for like the fucking Hot Dog album. Like, oh shit, shit's bad. Like he's like, check it out. I'm Limb Biscuit now. Like I'm a single parent." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I beat chlamydia, motherfucker. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, oh no, Fred Dursch. <laughs> <laughs> Christina Aguilera dumped me. Who cares? Whoa, whoa, come on, man. That's actually a really good fucking impression of Fred Durst. God damn it. We need to go into animation and like make our own cartoon and shit. And fucking Alex Jones is a character and Fred Durst is a character. Woo-ha! <laughs> hey, Christina Aguilera dumped me, but I'm a single father. Be chlamydia. <laughs> chlamydia, step up and get your ass beat, chlamydia. With a baseball bat, I got a chainsaw, motherfucking committee. <laughs> Boom! It just writes itself, baby. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> it's it's bad. It's a bad song. So what is this song called? I beat chlamydia. <laughs> I'll find it. You can keep looking at it. I'll find it. It's on the end of day soundtrack. <laughs> I wish we had a pause button because I can't even fucking oh, concentrate man. right now. Oh, fucking God bless Fred Durst. But anyways. It's called Crushed. Yeah, okay. It is on the end of day central. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyways, uh, speaking of bad music, um, another per- I, to move away from uh, Ted Kaczynski into another suspect, uh, the entire men's. <laughs> <laughs> I just like how in this scenario, Fred Durst is like a, a single father. <laughs> Is he even? I'm sure he has kids. <laughs> How do you like your eggs scrambled over easy? Wow. <laughs> ben Stiller, you are my favorite motherfucker. <laughs> he says that. <laughs> what? He says that in his song. It's on the Hot Dog album. I can't remember. I only listened to the Hot Dog album. I only like, listened to that once when it came out, and I've never listened to it again. Oh, man. So I listened to it. Did I tell you about that? Like Fred Durst is a goddamn Zodiac, guys. So I did this whole thing where I was just like, man... <laughs> Limp Bizkit kind of sucks, and like I, but I was like, but they're part of that whole crew, like they're friends with Corn, mm-hmm. and I really like three dollar bills, y'all. And then like when Significant Other came out, and I was like, junior high going into freshman year, or whatever, I was like, man, that sounds not as good, but it's like it's it's got some like stuff I enjoy. I like the last song where Fred Durst gets all deep and like this break stuff. Like I like that song, yeah. I, I like whatever. I'll and then like. The hot dog album came out and i remember like freshman year my algebra class like some fucking jock guy had the cd and i was like oh i get why i don't like that album it's not meant for me it's meant for like same for you dog it's yeah it's meant for like drunk jock dude to like cut, <laughs> cuss and like his it's meant for ted cruz who does keg stands yeah. with the jock yeah it's meant for dudes that are single fathers now <laughs> ben stella you are my favorite motherfucker <laughs> I'm ending the fucking episode with that song. Oh, God damn it. Find it, find it dude. It's the song that's like, Life in the Fast Lane. I still remember because I was like, This is, that's a song? Did they sample the Eagles for that? Yeah, they sampled the Eagles. I'll find it, dude. I. I I remember. Don't, we'll get kicked off YouTube. Dude, that was like 30 years ago that album came out, and I still remember thinking, like, What the? F- you start the song that way? <laughs> <laughs> something about Mary just came out or something, yeah. I guess. Oh my god. Oh my god. I swear this episode's about the fucking Zodiac killer. And, and Ben Stiller's in that Roland video. Well, everybody was in that video. Yeah, Dr. Dre, like, Eminem and whatnot. No, no, that's the break stuff video. Oh, yeah. But in in the Roland video, he's in it for some reason. Anyways, guys, Zodiac Killer, nineteen sixty nine. 
<laughs> All right. Anyways, so to move away from fucking Fred Durst and Limp Bizkit, um, speaking of bad music, Charles Manson and his band of merry mates or whatever. Started crying. Yeah, no, me too, dude. I'm getting hot. I'm getting verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, Manson and his family, they were all looked at during this time period. Again, like Marilyn Manson. Charles Manson was like the biggest dude yeah. in the late 60s, going into the 70s during the time of the Zodiac. And pretty much anything that was going wrong in society was blamed on Charles Manson. So uh, the San Francisco PD, uh, the, the LA, the LAPD, like all jurisdictions that, you know, had anything on, you know, the Zodiac or anything resembling the Zodiac, they immediately looked at Charles Manson and all of his followers, including um, in particular Bruce Davis, who, you know, is famous for, you know, being one of the first murderers within the Manson family. Um, but you know, again, eventually the shit just doesn't pan out. Like how are you going to be killing a bunch of people in LA and then, you know, at the same time, you know, doing all this dirt up in Northern California. So the Manson family, they were looked out thoroughly. I guess every single person associated with the Manson family was looked at. Even the Beach Boy, uh, the drummer, I forget. I forget. Dave, David something. Uh, Wilson was his last name. Oh, but David Wilson. David Mr. Wilson. Wilson we'll call Mr. Him. Wilson. Uh, my favorite motherfucker. Ben Stiller, you are my favorite motherfucker. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know what else does it make sense is um like I don't wanna say that uh that uh Charles Manson was dumb, but he definitely wasn't at that level where I would be like, Yeah, he would come up with these crazy ciphers mm-hmm. and like all these crazy things where like he just seemed like some like washed out hippie guy that was like you know a killer he got i feel like he got caught really easy like the whole thing the to be completely honest the thing that makes charles manson so intriguing is that he had all these like women around him and like that's the thing that if you if you subtracted all those women around him and it was just him and some other dude in a basement and like going around killing people then it'd be like that's not that interesting yeah he's just a crazy like little hillbilly yeah but the fact that he had all these like crazy like hot like hippie girls that are just Women like do whatever for him yeah it's just like oh that now that that is a front page news story mm-hmm. that's some just ben say. stiller shit yeah ben stiller you better not listen to charles manson <laughs> <laughs> uh another motherfucker you should probably shouldn't look at or listen to is uh george hodell um we covered the black dahlia forget what episode that was um but he was also looked at as a potential um zodiac killer suspect um, because you know, he famously had that fucking crazy ass mansion and fucking yeah, um, like a rape dungeon inside of his mansion. Yeah, they still have that shit too, dude. You can yeah. go on. Oh, COVID has it shut down or whatever. But next week, I believe everything's opening back up. Uh, but they actually still have that like preserved like within the house and shit. And I was like, holy shit. Um, but he was looked at too because like he was famous because a lot of women went missing, particularly you know Elizabeth Short, you know the Black Dolly or whatever. And they were looking at him like, oh, shit, there's a lot of similarities there. The way, like, he would write, I guess his handwriting was looked at like, oh, wow, like, there's some similarities there the way he, you know, writes. But, again, just like Ted Kaczynski, um, I believe, like, once he got convicted of raping his uh, his daughter, uh, he fled to the Philippines. So during this whole time period um, of the late 60s, early 70s, George Hodel was actually in the Philippines raping young girls over there. Yeah, yeah. So it couldn't have been him. Um, n- nor do I believe that it was him. Like in my uh, scale of people that I think, this is this guy's still at a one out of ten. Like people that I believe did it. 
interesting dude and i do believe that he killed the uh, black dahlia but i don't think he was in charge mm-hmm. of all the zodiac stuff as well as a lot of like unsolved like la murders and stuff like we were talking about the woman that got killed like in riverside which will come back up or whatever like that's what the one i was like looking at like trying to make heads or tails with that like let's subtract everything that happened in san francisco because it seemed like george hodell during his time was more concentrated in la and so i was trying to find some kind of like connection there and like even the pathway for him to Riverside, like kind of seemed like auspicious because it was it still like it's like it would be like a one hour drive. It seemed like all of George Hodel's murders, including the Black Dahlia, like he tried to keep everything like localized. Even like where the Black Dahlia was dumped was relatively close to where like that funky ass mansion is located. Yeah. Even though I think we brought this up during the Black Dahlia episode. If not, go back and listen to that one. It was a pretty good episode. Um, but during the uh, Black Dahlia thing, there was the Cleveland Torso murders mm. that were very similar to that, and I believe he was in that time. Like, so that's why a lot of people think that he had, you know, he done he he done did both of them because he was local in at both times to the Cleveland area and mostly to the L.A. area because he mostly lived in L.A. But he was in Cleveland for a short time, and that's when randomly there was a Cleveland Torso murder. So it was like the Chicago lipstick murders as well. Oh, I don't know about that. What's it's kind that? of like the same thing. You know what we need to cover is the Chicago Tylenol murders. Tylenol? Yeah, or is it Advil murders? I'll put it on the list. It's pretty interesting. Is that the one where they had to put, that's the reason why they had to put the cotton yeah, in? Yeah, that's where there's cotton in a little thing. And it's like, if you find that it's open, do not do it. Do oh, okay. not take these. Oh, yeah, because there was like cyanide in that shit. Yeah. Damn you, George Odell. Yeah, just saying. That's a That's an interesting topic. Um, but speaking of, and George Hodel, like he was accused of all this from, uh, uh, his son who actually becomes an LAPD detective. So where I was going with that is, is now we start to get into like more credible suspects. So, uh, Dennis Kaufman, um, his stepfather, Jack Torrance, he had some suspicions about his dad. You know, his dad would be missing his stepdad, I should say, um, would go missing for, you know, days upon weeks at a time. Uh, he had, you know, a typewriter, that Royal typewriter that we were talking about uh, that had that special font on it. He also had that um, bef- right before Jack Torrance's death. He was talking about like, oh, man, like, I kind of feel like you're the Zodiac killer. Like they were, he had like a taped conversation with them over the phone. And he was like, I kind of have this suspicion. He's like, why you have a kind of a suspicion? Kind of like inferring like, yeah, I am the Zodiac. And this was literally like a couple months before his death. Uh, but the thing that was kind of like, a little bit over the top with uh, this Dennis Kaufman character is, is like, you know, once his dad passed away, you know, he obtained his whole estate. He finds like all these letters, you know, uh, describing, you know, ways of torturing people. I believe he even found some like diagrams on how to, you know, make a bomb. And he started like doing this like eight year obsession with, you know, trying to find evidence that his dad was the Zodiac killer and so he started like, you know, doing like, like making like these flashcards where like, here's Zodiac's letter and here's my dad's letter, you know, doing some self like handwriting analysis on his own. Um, and then like, he was like, he pulled out like this PA that his father, stepfather had left him. And he's like, one day I was messing around with it, trying to like, you know, solder some wires together. And I pull out like the electronic uh, part of the PA. And all of a sudden I find like this black cloak and like, he does it like for like hard copy or whatever, like in the nineties or whatever, like where he like pulls out the PA and like this, like nicely neatly folded up, like black cloak comes out. And it's actually like an execute, what, you know, was like at the Lake Berryessa murder, like this executioner hood 
with like that bib with like the Zodiac logo on it. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, wow. Like at first, like your knee jerk reaction is like, oh, wow. That is that the fucking Lake Berryessa murder? Like, yeah. you know, whatever. But then I'm looking at it. I'm like, it just looks too neat and too nice for it to be that. Like, it's like almost as if uh, Dennis Kaufman, like, created it from like Hobby Lobby or fucking Michaels, like yeah. a couple weeks before, like, hard copy came and shit. You know, one thing I just want to point out about that whole Lake Berryessa murder was, um, I don't know where this... I think it came from the sketch that somebody pointed out where it looks like he has clip-on sunglasses in there. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't even know how that got started as a thing because when he gets described, um, the guy that survived, I forget his name. Um, Brian Hartnell. Yeah. He describes that he could see like little... Like his hair through the through the eye holes and he can see like in the eye holes... So I'm not sure where the whole like clip-on sunglasses thing came from. It just became part of the sketch, and people just ran with it. But I always thought that was really weird how that became a thing. It's like one of those, um, um, like Mandela effects kind of thing, yeah. where it's just like somebody drew it, and now it's a thing. And then eventually, like someone will point out, like, oh yeah, he didn't wear clip-on sunglasses. Like, how is this a thing? And I, when I listened to the to the Sofa King episode where they covered this thing, um, Brent's like, yeah, what's up with those like fucking weird clip-on sunglasses he wore? The reality is he didn't wear the clip-on sunglasses. Huh. Like that was just the part of the sketch drawing that came out that showed him wearing the clip-on sunglasses. But okay, re- in reality, the the guy that survived said that he could see his eyes and he could see the hair color through the eye holes and okay, see what was going on, which I thought was really weird. Which further disproves uh, Dennis Kaufman's theory because like he provided like some. Oh, and then I also found like these like clip-on sunglasses yeah. and shit. So it just seemed like two on the head. For like his stepfather to be the Zodiac killer because that and again to reference the movie again, uh, there's a segment within that movie where like everybody is starting to come out as a Zodiac killer. Yeah, everybody is accusing like their dad or their stepdad as a Zodiac killer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it must have been like the in vogue thing to do. Um, doesn't he also bring up that it's his dad and he based a lot of it on the fact that his dad just looks like the. That's the next person I'm going to talk oh, about. Oh, okay. So the next one I want to talk about with the whole thing with like, you know, I'm going to blame my dad is a Gary Stewart. Now, we mentioned this. I don't know if it was on the Patreon or if it was on last week's episode, but there's an FX documentary um, that examines this whole thing where Gary Stewart, um, he's an adopted kid. You know, right now in today's time, he's, you know, like 50 or 60 or whatever. But it's like this mini series that you can find on Hulu right now. Um, I started watching it when week one when we were covering the Zodiac, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, fucking riveting. Like, it's getting into all these, like, details. Like, I had never heard about the Zodiac and whatnot, right? But then you get all the way to the end of it, and you find out it's all bullshit. But anyways, Gary Stewart was abandoned by his dad, Earl Van Best Jr., when he was just four months old. Um, you know, Gary said that, like, his dad would, like, lock him in, like, a footlocker because it cried too much. Um, Gary St- or Earl Van Best was arrested uh, because for statutory rape because his mother was only 14 years old. Uh, when he tried to marry her, Earl Van Best was 28 years old. Um, there was a whole scandal with this, too, like where he, like, you know, quote unquote, kidnapped her and they went like this cross country, like, um, you know, evasion of the police. And actually, the San Francisco Chronicle actually covered this. Um, where they called it was the ice cream uh, romance, the ice cream parlor romance. And mm-hmm. it was actually um, covered by, I forget his name. 
Guys, I'd like to take this time to <laughs> remind you guys to check out cavemancoffee.com. <laughs> Sorry about that. Check yeah. out the Podbelly Network, guys, by the way. I just mentioned Sofa King. They got a lot of great episodes. They just put an episode about... Um, uh, Damn, see, it's late night. It is Friday uh, night. It is we late could- night. God damn. Um... Jacob, did you find the name? I sure did. So <laughs> it was it was covered by Paul Avery. I couldn't. Oh, Paul Avery, of course, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Fucking famously, who got the Halloween card from the Zodiac uh-huh. Killer or whatever. But Billy Holiday, that's who they just covered. They, yeah, and that movie's coming out too. Oh, really? Um, I, the Ice Cream Romance, which was covered very heavily by Paul Avery, um, and Gary Stewart just starts coming up with all of these theories of like, oh, okay, my dad was also a fan of the Mikado, so and of ciphers. So, like, in the documentary, like, it shows, like, you know, the Zodiac letters where, like, he does, like, those direct quotes of, like, that, you know, Japanese uh, play, you know, where, like, the Zodiac just starts going into, like, these uh, quotes of, like, the songs that are within the, the play and whatnot. Um, that he, his dad's, you know, because his dad served some time in the military, he was also into ciphers. And he started doing his own decoding of the cipher as well, where he looked at... You know, you know that one Zodiac letter where he says, my name is, and there's like this very short cipher. Mm-hmm. He looks at it and he goes, oh my God, that's my dad's name. Now, when you put the name out there and you compare it, you know, to what's on the cipher, I believe it's like 13 characters or whatever. Like it matches Earl Van Best as far as lengthwise. But like when it comes to like a pattern for where it should say Earl Van Best Jr., like it doesn't make any sense at all. And then he kind of puts his foot in his mouth here as well because, you know, the famous 340-character cipher, that 350Z one that just recently got cracked, he said that that was also his dad. He said, I decoded that one, and my dad, you know, was basically admitting that he was the Zodiac. And, like, in there, he spells his name EVP Jr. or EVB Jr. in there, like, at the end. And then, like... Now, when you can look back at it, you know, what's been fully deciphered, yeah, yeah, it doesn't say that at all. Yeah, I mean, maybe that maybe his dad was just a fan of the Zodiac Killer and like, and also a shitty dad. Like, mm-hmm. those two things are more likely to be true than his dad actually being the Zodiac Killer. Um, especially since his dad probably saw the um, the drawing that everyone else saw and said, This motherfucker has clip on sunglasses, I need to go get some <laughs> clip on sunglasses. Um, yeah, and then also too, like like you were saying, like the one of the things too is like his dad, like the famous picture that you see of Earl Van Best Jr. is you know this like mug shot that he took right after he gets arrested for statutory rape mm-hmm. that does really look like that sketch of the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. Now we said it on the previous episodes. It, that sketch just looks like every fucking every white dude. Every fucking body, Buddy Holly looking motherfucker that's out there. In the late 60s and yeah. shit. So, I mean. Buddy Holly was probably the Zodiac Killer. Fucking Bernie. Remember, he was said Bernie Sanders was the fucking Zodiac Killer. Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, I could see that. He also tried to get like a print match because, you know, the Zodiac Killer, he, he somehow he obtained, you know, some, some of the fingerprints from Zodiac Killer as well as his father's fingerprints. And he tried to say, like, oh, wow, this is an exact match. I guess there was, like, uh, like a scar mark, like, in between, like, the thumb or something like that. And when it actually went for, like, analysis, like a fingerprint analysis person, like a professional that looks at it, they're like, oh, what he did was is he, like, forced a match here, like, where he, like, inverted, like, the print to get something similar. But, like, when you really look at it, it's not the same print. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so I don't. I didn't watch that documentary. I was aware of that documentary. 
but like it just never really intrigued me because I think a lot of what I, what I had heard was a lot of what his case was based on was my dad looks like the Zodiac killer, yes. <laughs> which is like okay, like it's like and then all evidence would just like fall th- like would be fall would fall through like it, it didn't like pan out at the end like even like the marriage certificate. Th- this reminds me a lot of I don't know if you've ever heard of this the there's a there's a conspiracy out there an NBA conspiracy theory that Jimmy Butler is Michael Jordan's son. And it actually has more weight to it than that case. Because if you look at like where Michael Jordan was and the times that he would disappear at time periods, um, Jimmy Butler, like birthplace to where Michael Jordan was at the time and all the things. I, I, I invite you guys all to Google. If you're into basketball, look up Jimmy Butler's dad, the Michael Jordan thing. It's very interesting. Wow. And if and if you do like a side by side comparison of their faces, it is like strikingly like similar where I'm like, You got a case. You got a case. I don't buy it, but you got a case. More so than that dude's dad being the Zodiac killer. Gary Stewart. Yeah. Because I brought up the 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 marriage certificate. And it seemed like this would always come up. Like he would throw something out there and it would sound compelling. And you look at the marriage certificate and you look at the handwriting of the Zodiac, it looks fucking strikingly similar. And so he's saying like, yeah, my dad filled out the the marriage certificate and this is how I know he was the Zodiac. Well, as it turns out, like they did some analysis on the marriage certificate. They actually went to the actual church. It's called St. Paul's United Methodist uh, Church. And the actual uh, marriage certificate was filled out by Reverend, Reverend Edward Flieger. And they actually pulled up a but the church pulled up a bunch of like copies of the marriage certificates. And they're like, yeah, he signed all of these. Like he filled them all out. Like that was the job of the priest. And when you really think about it, like who fills out their own marriage certificate? Like that's yeah. always handled by like the officiant. Like nobody fucking like, all right, I married so I married Mary Lou Jensen on Saturday, April fourteenth or whatever. No, that's handled by the priest that fucking conducts and, the and ceremony. And that's such a weird thing to point out. Like, look at this handwriting. Like, I always think of, like, my parents' handwriting. And, like, my parent, maybe just because, like, I don't know, I saw my parents' handwriting so much as a kid. I could, if I, if somebody showed me, like, whose handwriting is this? Is this, like, your mom or dad's handwriting or, like, some complete stranger's handwriting? I'm, I'm almost 75% sure, 85% sure I can pick my parents' handwriting. Maybe not my sister's because I don't know what their handwriting looks like. <laughs> but, but, like... Especially my dad's handwriting. He had a very like, like weird like, perfect like letter writing. Where I'm like, damn, I could that shit sticks out. Same thing with my mom. My mom had very, like, stylistic writing style. Anyways, the whole thing is, I saw it because I saw it on like a lot of things, like bills and things like that, like writing a check and all these things. Especially back then, like checks were a thing, right? And yeah. like, why did you have to go all the way back to a marriage certificate? Like, shouldn't you have all these other writing examples, like letters and fucking Christmas cards and, like, all these other things? Well, he was adopted, so, he, I mean, he oh, didn't grow gotcha. up, like, with his dad-dad Gotcha, that makes sense. But, um, I mean, even though, like... Hole in my theory, by the way. But, like, that would... Egg on my face. <laughs> <laughs> but the egg would agree with you because his mom actually comes out and says, like, yo, I don't know where my son is getting all this information from because they had, like, a reunite, reuniting. Mm-hmm. They reunited. 
And like he was proposing this to his mom. And his mom's like, you're full of shit. Like, there's no way. Like, yeah, your dad was an asshole. Like, yeah, he fucking statutorily raped me at 14 and whatnot. Took me on this cross-country, like, natural-born killers, like, tour of America and shit. Uh, but he was not the Zodiac killer. And um, the Gary Stewart guy, like, when you watch, like, the Who documentary, he's a fucking... He's a few nuts short of, like, a fucking complete fucking tool set. Mm. And... He, like, has, like, all these, like, abandonment issues, like, where he's been married, like, five or six times. So I can see him, like, just pouring all this energy into this, like, making his dad into the Zodiac just to villainize. And, like, what he did to him as a child, he basically abandoned him and whatnot, right? Uh, But his mom actually marries, like, later on in life, his biological mom later marries an actual San Francisco police detective, or San Francisco detective, police department detective. Mm-hmm. And um, to this day, Gary Stewart claims that like none of this stuff is panning out or it's getting disproven because it's all the cover-up by the San Francisco PD. Ah, yes, the old, the conspiracy theory uh, did it. The conspiracy theory made me do it kind of thing. Yeah, which... I do not believe so. Yeah, I don't believe it. I believe it even less now. So with that said, I mean, there are a few other people that have been accused. I mean, the Internet sleuths have, you know, thrown up a different bunch of different people. There's a man named Richard Marshall who served in the military, was in Riverside at the time, worked at a silent movie theater, uh, the Avenue in San Francisco, where right by where Paul Stein was killed at. Um, he also... Um, was showing the the red phantom which you know in the 1974 letter that you brought up on last episode you know zodiac later signed off as the red phantom but like again like with this whole earl van best and you know this you know the previous suspects a lot of stuff doesn't pan out because they either their handwriting doesn't match or it's just like there's too too little evidence to pinpoint them there uh which comes down to like the last two people that i want to talk about uh lawrence kane and arthur lee allen now, you mentioned it last week how you felt that there was multiple Zodiacs. Right. As well as, I'm glad you said that because that's the the reasoning I was going down. Uh, I mentioned in the first episode where it's just like, you know, there's, there's, a re- there's two really good candidates and suspects for the Zodiac killer, but then there's always something missing, whether it be the description, the fingerprints, the DNA, or the handwriting doesn't match. But when you put the two together... I kind of feel that the Lawrence Kane. Yeah, and I want to start with Lawrence Kane before we get into um, Arthur, Arthur Lee, Lee Allen. Allen, because I think most people when they hear Arthur Lee Allen's, like white people think it's Arthur Lee Allen, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's the fucking Zodiac killer," and and I don't blame them because I think that most of the Zodiac things that we know and love, like the puzzle parts of it and all that stuff, in my opinion. I do think that Arthur Lee Allen has a lot to do with that and putting together like the image of what Zodiac mm-hmm. is t- today. But um, the whole thing about um, about Kane, what what is uh, Lawrence Kane? Lawrence Kane, I've always found to be really interesting, and Lawrence. I, I'll let you get into it. I'll just butt in when 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 no, I continue think. your thought because yeah, I like where you're going. With so Lawrence Kane has this this moment in his life where he suffers a brain injury, right? And we've talked about other serial killers in the past. We talked about um, Richard Ramirez, Richard Ramirez um, Roseanne Barr, Richard Ramirez again. <laughs> we talked uh, about so many serial killers, uh, so that- many like Richard Ramirez and his cousin. Ricardo Ramirez. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, one of the things that um, that is kind of a common similarity within serial killers is 
hit injuries at an early age, uh, Aaron sexual Hernandez. abuse. Yeah, Aaron Hernandez. He's like, it's a uh, same thing with Aaron Hernandez. Like Aaron Hernandez had like potentially sec- been sexually abused as a child, and also a brain injury. All those brain injuries from football and things like that, and just having a very violent life growing up. As well as, like, I, I mean, I said Roseanne Barr as a joke, as well as Sam Kinison, like, two comedians who were in really bad car accidents, just like fucking Lawrence Kane, who was, like, in a head-on collision with a cement truck. Uh, those two comedians, you know, they were pretty normal people before their uh, car accidents, but then they become, like, these, like, off-the-wall, unchained, unrestricted fucking, you know, comedians um, that have a lot of similar traits to, you know, Lawrence Kane, who was, you know, actually diagnosed uh, with having, like, uh, the inability to control um, his uh, gratification. So, like, he would just go hog wild on whatever, you know, whatever came into his mind. Like, he just had no filter. He just went hog wild on. Yeah. And I do think that Lawrence Kane basically fits a lot of the mold of someone who is just unhinged. Mm-hmm. And some of these crimes, and I think the reason why I believe that there were two Zodiac killers is because some of the crimes seem completely unhinged and some of the crimes seem completely calculated and and totally planned out and like absolutely super smart, and we'll get into that. But I do think that the, the crimes that feel unhinged and the reason why I feel like they appear to be unhinged are... Well, let me point out the two crimes. The two crimes that I think are the most... I almost believe that uh, Lawrence Kane had to do with them were the couples sitting in the cars. They kind of fit his MO after his brain injury. He kind of became a little bit of obsessive compulsive, like stalker guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He was working at that hotel, right? In um, Lake Tahoe. Correct. And he starts following this girl and you probably have more notes on this than I do. I don't have any notes on yeah, it. So Darlene Farron on that, the second murder, uh, the one where she was having an affair with uh, man, Joe, um, her sister, one of her sisters actually said that Kane was following her for months, mm-hmm. you know, before the actual murders. And that you know, they were looking into, you know, getting like a restraining or something from him because like he was like, always follow her. Um, you mentioned, you know, that the two, you know, couple cases, um, you know, initially that we covered, like you think that he was responsible for that. Uh, they also believe that Lawrence Kane had something to do with um, the deaths of uh, two teenagers in Las Vegas. Uh, later on in the later 70s, uh, he moved to Las Vegas to sell real estate for developers. Now, remember that uh, that postcard that Paul Avery received, you know, where it's like, look in the pines, you know, and, you know, the uh, the Sierra Club and whatnot for, you know, the missing Donna Lass that you mm-hmm. mentioned uh, at Lake Tahoe. Um, you know, that was very much, you know, a developer's, like, postcard, you know, uh, an advertisement for condominiums that were being developed in the area. Uh, he moves to Las Vegas, kind of works for the mob, um, and, you know, develops property in Las Vegas, which was a big thing back in the 70s and, you know, the early 80s. You know, the mob was very heavily into expanding Las Vegas. And um, there's this murder that happened in Las Vegas. Two teenagers um, who were killed, um, Dana Lull and I, I just have Ray down here. Um, but they were killed on Lawrence Kane's birthday, which is a very big theme, like with Zodiac murders. It always happens on someone's birthday or somebody's anniversary um, of. April 27th, 1974, and they were actually found um, on the mountainside um, river uh, bed. Uh, that's, like, where their bodies were found. Well, actually, the, the male's body was found there, and then her body was found, like, in San Bernardino, again, by 
like some waterfront property. So there goes like that water theory again. Mm. But again, two teenagers sitting in a car, killed, you know, and found later on by bodies of water. So I do find him interesting in that sense. Mm -hmm. I do think that those two shootings that were just very, almost feel an unhinged, I just have a craving kind of murder Mm -hmm. of finding two people that are just in an isolated kind of place that almost feel like he was stalking them and then bam, I just have to go for it and kill them. So that's why I, I, in my opinion, I think Lawrence Kane is one of them them and possibly responsible for those two murders. The two one, the two first ones in the car, the one that basically kick off the Zodiac. Mm -hmm. I do think that separate from him, there was, um, someone seeing these murders and going like, man, I bet, I, I bet I can do a better job, do better. And like, not only that, but like start taking claim for these, like people are going to know who the fuck I am kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's someone else we'll, we'll talk about in a few minutes, but I do think that it couldn't have been Kane going forward because mm-hmm. Kane was too unhinged. Kane was very much, you know, that whole stereotypical, brain injury obsessive like following women like he would have gotten caught iq level wasn't super high but not like you know he was i don't think he was at the level that he could write something that that uh the way that the the zodiac yeah intricate and complex that it would take a supercomputer to solve and it didn't seem like he was that into literature either Mm -hmm. which for the Zodiac, literature plays a big role in like in the things that he writes and the why the why he writes them and things like that. Um, I mean, even pop culture. I mean, you know, the Blue Meanies, the Beatles, you know, the Mikado. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a couple movies. You know, the the most uh, dangerous game and like all these things. And the Exorcist that, thing. The was... Exorcist. Um, yeah, just uh, like a whole litany of just like pop culture was infused in it. Whereas like Lawrence Kane very much seemed like you know like that guy was just living auxiliary to all of that what was going on like he was in his own head at this this time period yeah also he was also a very plain looking dude Mm -hmm. if you look at lawrence kane like he's just kind of a forgettable dude like looks like every other white dude looks like any other white dude and if he was wearing glasses that night like let's just say i don't know i never understood this whole thing of like why we never thought that these guys might wear costumes. Even when the Zodiac letter says like, I wear costumes. Yeah. And it's just like, why don't we ever like think that, Hey, maybe he was wearing costumes to some of these. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that the Lawrence Kane, the ones I believe were Lawrence Kane. I think that was just him being like, I need to kill some people. But I do think from then on, I think this, the follow up Zodiac killer. And I do think that Lawrence Kane does make an appearance later on by calling, um, the uh, the Melbourne Bell Eye show. Mm. I do think that that was back o- to to him going like, oh, I'll call in. Like, if you want Zodiac, if you want me to do some crazy shit, I'll give. So I do think that there's moments where it intertwines. Overlap. Yeah, there's overlap, but I do think it's very rare, and I do think that that show, the the Melbourne Bell Eye show, the Melbourne Bell Eye interview that you can find on YouTube, and those two first murders, I think that those are one Zodiac killer there. And then, like I mentioned, too, um, with the whole he moved out to Las Vegas or whatever, you know, after 1974, you know, you don't really get very many uh, legit Zodiac killer fucking letters. Like, it kind of, like, dissipates after that. 
the way to explain it, we'll go into like with Arthur Lee Allen, you know, later. His is very easy to explain why that happened. Uh, but with uh, Lawrence Kane, you know, he starts working loosely for the mob and whatnot. You know, they kind of keep a tighter rein on him. He's in Las Vegas. He's got eyes on him. They can't have no fucking loose ends or whatever, or you're getting whacked. You in the you in the fu- there's a lot of holes in this desert. Yeah, you, know, you don't want another one of those or whatnot. But with Lawrence Kane, you actually look at his physical appearance as well. Like he fits the description that many of uh, you know survivors, um, you know Manjot gave. You know he's five foot nine at the time of the murders in 1969. He was 45 years old, which matches like the age range that they gave. He was 160 pounds. You know, David or <clears throat> Manjot, uh, the one that survived the second attack, said he had a pot belly. Lawrence Kane very much had like a little pot belly. And also, too, Lawrence Kane was a Taurus and he served in the navies, which could explain why he did have, you know, those boots that made like that print uh, at Lake Berryessa, you know, where it was only, it was a size 10 and a half. By the way, Lawrence Kane wanted a 10 and a half. And that boot mark could only be purchased by somebody who served in the military or had access to like a military, you know, supply chain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that. So the Lake Berryessa one, we might have conflicting. Uh, oh no, I, I, I yeah, because I don't think that he was at the Lake Berryessa one. Just I just I don't see him as that guy, the guy that can put something together like that, and not only put it together, but also give the uh, people a. A phony story of I'm an escaped convict. I've killed other people. I'm going to Mexico. Now, one thing, I mean, I'm going to play both sides of this, Laura. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of believe, you know, what you're going with. Uh, but um, Brian Hartnell said that, you know, when Zodiac was talking to him, he kind of talked uh, with a stutter, which was very consistent <clears throat> with, with investigators who were saying, God damn it, I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> was very consistent mm-hmm. with what investigators say with people with brain damage would mm. uh, talk with. So, I mean, it's very possible. Um, I do more or less agree with what you're going with it. Uh, but another suspect, uh, remember we were talking about Kathleen Johns, that lady that was abducted with her baby? Yeah. Uh, she actually identified Kane as the person that was her abductor. Yeah, and I could totally see that as well. That's another one of those unhinged type of scenarios where it's, it's not very well planned. It's kind of this whole thing where, like, I'm just going to kidnap someone, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go well because she gets out of the car and she, like, flags down other people and it's just like, damn, I messed up mm-hmm. kind of thing. I I can see. And he associ- he calls himself the Zodiac during the whole thing. like, And he was known to sit down randomly to people and ask them for, you know, their Zodiac sign. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a story when he was in Las Vegas where he asked like a real estate agent, like, oh, hey, can you meet me at this property? And, you know, what's, I want to do a Zodiac reading with you. And instead of him showing up, you know, to this, it was like in the middle of the desert too, like this property, he was going to have her show him. Um, instead of him showing up, he sent a Hearst uh, with like a um, <clears throat> Alfred Hitchcock quote saying like, I've, you've come to meet your maker. So he's very much a creepy ass dude in that sense. Yeah. Uh, I think that he uh, definitely killed people. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm willing to bet that he's killed someone in his uh in his heyday. Yeah, so he is not Ben Stiller's favorite mother. <laughs> <laughs> you are not Ben Stiller's friend. Yes, yeah, so um, I think it's only proper now we go into uh, Arthur Lee Allen. Arthur Lee Allen, perhaps the most famous Zodiac mm-hmm. suspect. Um, yeah, and. Probably 
rightfully so, because there is so much circumstantial evidence for Arthur Lee Allen. Well, let's point out one thing I do want to point out about Arthur Lee Allen is a lot of what what people the arrow points to him very like aggressively. And then I think it's uh, the Gr- Robert Greystone or whatever. the um, Graysmith. Graysmith. The, the cartoonist. Yeah, the cartoonist that was working with Paul Avery, which is all shown in the movie Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the one that that really, really like revives this theory, puts out several books. And I think that, I think he's on to something. <laughs> yeah. I think he's right about some of these things. And then I was listening to, again, t- to reference Monster, um, the Zodiac Killer podcast or whatever. They do a really good job of laying down all, like, this circumstantial evidence as well as showing, like, hey, here's the inconsistencies with the movie as well as Robert Gray Smith's uh, book, Zodiac, which he mm-hmm. released in uh, 1986. And he, re- he releases, like, a follow-up or whatever, too, as well. Uh, but, it, like, it definitely does aggressively point at Arthur Lee Allen as a suspect. But it also shows, too, like, how it cannot be him. Uh, because like there's some you know some flaws with what you know the uh, flaws I do find super interesting yeah like where you know Gray Smith is like almost like makes up some stuff in the book that isn't true like where and then as well as like he doesn't talk to survivors families but puts all that information in there to where it kind of like manipulates the mindset to where mm-hmm. like okay it aggressively shows Arthur Lee Allen so I kind of left that those things out of my notes uh, to talk about it but. To put a timeline on it, um, Sherry Jo Bates, um, the lady that was killed like at the library at the Riverside Community College, um, Arthur Lee Allen actually admitted to detectives that he was in the area, you know, during the time of her murder. He was actually he states in Pomona, which is like literally a hop, skip, and jump in the way. We were talking about. Um, George Hodel, how like how he tried to keep you know everything like nice and neat, you know, yeah. within the area. He lived like in the Holly, like on Hollywood Boulevard, basically. And like you know, uh, the, Z- uh, the Zodiac, uh, the Black Dahlia was actually dumped like a couple streets up from that. Pomona is literally like just right around the corner from Riverside. So to say like he's in the area and he is from like the VA. Uh, <laughs> Vallejo, Vallejo area. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm losing my fucking. No, voice. it's all right, man. It's late. He's from the Vallejo area. To be like conveniently in the area is very suspect. And not only that, during that time period in 1966, he was actually working in an elementary school, um, and he was very much described as a like a fucking model employee. He never missed a day of work, but he only missed one day of work in 1966, which was November 1st, the first work day um, after October 30th, the day that fucking um, you know Sherry Joe Bates you know, went missing. So that is really interesting. Um, also two, um, remember two, uh, letters or three letters actually went out and then two of them had a Z at the end of it. Some people speculate that it's not really a Z. It's the number 32. Uh, Alan was, uh, 32 years old at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, the place that he lived at in Vallejo was 32 Fresno street and um, the ver- one of the very first famous uh, ciphers was actually a 32-symbol cipher. Uh, so they, there was a lot of, like I mentioned in the last episode, there's a lot of numerology just, yeah. just keeps continuously popping up, which makes sense, like, whenever you're dealing with, like, ciphers and whatnot. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, w- one of the things, speaking of the cipher, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but... Um, to clear his name a little bit, 
I guess the, I guess this is kind of the evidence against Arthur Lee Allen is what I'm about to say. But um, there is a, a palm print. Like, obviously, when you're writing, mm-hmm. your palm will make a print on it. Like that side thing. Yeah. And that's one of the big things that uh, that doesn't line up with Arthur Lee Allen. His palm print did not match, which I would have never guessed that you could palm print. But, yeah, I guess it makes sense as well. Yeah, there's that's, some lines up in there. Yeah, there's lines there, and you can match them up and all that stuff. Um, but I, th- I found that to be super interesting that I was just like, holy shit, like, yeah, I mean, his palm print didn't match, and I don't know, like, I, I think he's smart, but I don't think he's that fucking smart. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's, like, Ted Kaczynski smart. So that's one of those things that always makes me a little hesitant to just be like, yeah, that's the fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of things that make me think, like, yeah, that's the fucking guy. Well, in 1991, he had this um, associate, um, who uh, Ralph Spinelli, um, who you know went to the police in 1991, who said like, "Hey, and you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, I had a run-in with Arthur Lee Allen, who was looking to you know go into business with me, you know, for some protection." He goes, "Previously, back in the 50s, uh, we had a run-in where like we got into this fight." And we had like kind of this eternal grudge against each other, you know. Later on in life, you know, he, you know, Ralph Spinelli, you know, he opens up all these uh, nightclubs and whatnot, and he starts doing some racketeering as well as like some some armed robbery and shit. And he eventually gets caught, but he's like, hey, you know, I want to give you this piece of information. I know Arthur Lee Allen. He came up to me, you know, right before, uh, you know, the Paul Stein murders in San Francisco. And he was actually looking for a job at my nightclub. And he was saying he was willing to do whatever it took, um, you know, to make sure, you know, my business was safe. Even so much as to kill the most dangerous game. And he was just like, you know what, like he's he's willing to murder. And Ralph was very suspicious of him, you know, because they had like this eternal grudge against each other. And he goes, you know, and he said, Arthur Lee Allen told him, you know what? Uh, to prove myself to, I'm going to go up to San Francisco this weekend and I'm going to kill somebody and you'll know it's me. And so he says, hey, you know, I know it sounds crazy. It's 1991. You know, I'm trying to cop a plea bargain with you and shit, but just go go check out his house and I'm pretty sure you'll find some of the evidence you need. So some of the evidence they do find is they do find that royal typewriter with that elite font that was very specific to only a certain amount of typewriters, which they, which is what was used to write the letters that went to the L.A. Times for the Jer- Sh- Sherry Joe Bates case. There were a lot of strange things that were found in Arthur Lee Allen's home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was very into taxidermy, which you know, hey, to each your own. If yeah. you're, that's your thing. That's your that's your kink. I'm not gonna kink shame you. <laughs> but he also had butchered and like just tubs of like mangled pieces of like animal lying around which mm-hmm. is just like what's up with that which is also like a fucking characteristic trait for a fucking serial killer yeah definitely and we talked about like, those serial killer things you know hurting small animals is definitely one of them he was definitely hurting small animals but this is the time period where people were just like yeah but that's cool like that's his that's his thing man like he's into killing small animals <laughs> as long as he's not hurting people but um yeah i mean like red flags there he also um, you know, the whole thing, people make a big deal about this, but Zodiac watches are very popular watches, especially yeah. back then. But he did wear a Zodiac watch and, um, he had referred to himself as a Zodiac in the past. Friends say that he would call himself the Zodiac sometimes. 
um, he was questioned about the Zodiac watch, and he, you know, he was basically like, "Yeah, so what?" It really took a hit. Zodiac Zodiac watches took a hit. You know, they used to be like time, like face to face with like you own a Zodiac, you own a Rolex. Now mm-hmm. it's like Rolex is king because the Zodiac killer. You don't really want to own a Zodiac that much anymore. Yeah. I kind of do though, but um, <laughs> but um. Yeah, they're just not as popular anymore. But back then, they kind of were, and like they were right there, neck and neck with like those like Timex and Rolex and mm-hmm. Zodiac and like those higher end watches. And like, I don't think it was that strange, but I definitely think that he saw that and went like, "I I want to own a Zodiac, and I like the sim the symbol and what it you know how strong it looks, and like putting that as a signature like would be badass." And depending on who you talk to, um, his brother Ron uh, Allen uh, says that the, his mother gave him that watch. Uh, but if you talk to Don Chaney, a very close associate of Arthur Lee Allen, he says that he, act, like you said, he actually bought it because he was trying to live up this gimmick of mm. the Zodiac. And, you know, he would reference uh, this movie, um, it's like Treasure Island where one of the villains in that movie was uh, Dr. Zodiac, where he would write letters to the San Francisco uh, Police Department taunting him of his crimes and whatnot. Um, he actually said that he was going to... He actually admitted to his friend Don Cheney that you know he was writing a novel uh, where he fantasized about killing couples, where he would taunt police with letters detailing his crimes, uh, sign you know with that watch symbol, that Zodiac uh, symbol, call himself the Zodiac, wear makeup, wear costumes... Uh, have a gun with a small flashlight at the end of it, um, and then fool women to stopping their cars so he can, you know, murder them or mm-hmm. do whatever he wanted with them and whatnot. So um, I do think that is very convenient, um, as well as a little too spot on, you know, to kind of give Arthur Lee Allen a little bit of credit uh, because Don Cheney and, and Arthur Lee Allen did have a falling out uh, because. Uh, Arthur Lee Allen tried to molest Don Cheney's children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I could see why you'd be pissed. Yeah. Um, you know, um, did, is the one you talked about already the Lake Berryessa I haven't thing? talked about that one yet. But, um, sorry. It, oh, you're it, fine. It is, it is late. I'm starting to, like, not doze off, but, man, it is late. This is past my bedtime. But, anyways, <laughs> the whole Lake Berryessa scenario, this is one of those things that really puts him in the spot. Because he had told family members that he was going to go scuba diving, which is already weird. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned in, I think, episode one, there is an underwater city in Lake Berryessa. It's basically like a city that was flooded and basically just built a lake over Lake Berryessa. Mm-hmm. So I could see why people want to go there and scuba dive and be goofs or whatever. Um, so he told friends and family that he was going to be there for the weekend scuba diving. And that is the weekend that the Zodiac Killer showed up. <laughs> And, and tied fucking, up. yeah, uh, try to murder Brian Hartnell as well as girlfriend Cecilia Shepard, yeah. Yeah, and not only that, but when um, Arthur Lee Allen shows up back at home, he has cuts to his hand, he has blood all over him, and when questioned by his family, of course, if you saw a family member like, hey, you have cuts in your hand and you're all bloody, what happened? I thought you were going scuba diving. He says, oh, no, I, uh, I ended up going fishing. I ended up going to... Uh, the lake to go fish and we were gutting fish and this is all fish blood on me and like I got my hands cut while fishing. And then he tells police too, he goes, I, I have bloody knives in my trunk because I killed a chicken because I wanted to eat it. Yeah. Weird. 
but so did my grandma. So I'm going to go ahead and give him a pass <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one struck me as really strange too, because I mean, again, the movie does a really good job of detailing this. And this is like one of those instances where like the movie and the book kind of like over exaggerate the actual truth. Again, to reference the uh, podcast monster, they were talking about this as well, where it was a little bit exaggerated. Uh, but the cops, you know, they did they did interview him, uh, kind of like the movie, you know, indicates. And you know, he started oversharing things like that, where uh, there was a neighbor, William White, who said that, oh yeah, he saw him, he saw me uh, come, you know, that back home that day or whatever. Oh yeah, but he's dead now. Um, and by the yeah. way, that neighbor's birthday was December 20th, <laughs> the date of the first murders. Mm. Um, also too, um, that 10 and a half shoe size that was at Lake Berryessa, Arthur Lee Allen also wore a size 10 and a half. Um, Arthur Lee Allen also was in the Navy to be able to obtain that boot, um, to either, you know, during a service as well as his father, I believe was like a, um, a nuclear uh, naval ship captain or something like that with the Navy. So he also had a tie with the military that way as well to be able to obtain that boot. It was a very rare boot, kind of like the Richard Ramirez case where it was like that one yeah, shoe yeah, or yeah. whatever. The same thing with Zodiac. It was a very rare shoe. Yeah. He was wearing, what are those shoes called we talked about under the Patreon, the Osiris's or something? <laughs> the D3's and oh, shit. Oh, D3's, yeah, he was rocking yeah. some of those. Yeah, um, and then also, too, uh, Brian Hartnell. Again, one of the two uh, survivors you know, from the attack said that yeah, his appearance and his voice actually matched the the person that he was talking to um, at Lake Berryessa. Yeah, I buy it. I mean, he he mentioned like the way he was describing him; it was like a chubbier person. He described him as taller than what he is in real life, mm-hmm. but at the same time, when you're laying on your belly, I think everyone looks taller than they probably really are. <laughs> yeah. So, and Arthur yeah. Allen was a tall dude. He was six foot five and whatnot. And they say he was 250 pounds, mm-hmm. which I'm going to lean. Like when you look at pictures of him, I'm going to lean that he's a little bit heftier than that because yeah. that's about 50 pounds heavier than I am right now. But, um, yeah, he was a very big dude. Like even like the Ace Hardware store that he worked at, yeah. they were talking about like, you know, he would like pick up like a whole rear end of a car, like by himself, like very oh, like man. superhuman, like feats of strengths, which also makes sense for the Lake Berryessa murder because it's like, you see it, like, the door is, like, fucking mangled as shit. Like, how the fuck? Like, Andre the Giant must have fucking attacked that fucking <laughs> door and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, one of the things that I, I think is super interesting is the whole taunting. So going back to that whole Lake Berryessa thing, mm-hmm. they find the phone off the, off the hook still, and it's still swinging by the time the people get there. And I feel like he had to have been able to blend into the background. Obviously he wouldn't be able to do it at that time because he was still covered in blood and had cuts on his hand. But it definitely shows you how plain looking he was. Mm-hmm. Both of the guys, both um, Kane and Arthur Lee Allen, both super plain looking dudes, very forgettable guys that if they walked into any restaurant or whatever hardware store, you would just walk by them and not even... Yeah, he's just a big dude. Yeah, just wouldn't think much of him. But um, I, I think that that works to, to their advantages. I mean, you look at other serial killers, right? Richard Ramirez, like women loved him for some reason. Ted, Ted Cruz, Ted, <laughs> Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, the whole thing was like that he was like the, the, the guy you wanted your daughter to marry kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. like that whole thing. Even, um, I'm trying to think, who was a dude in Chicago that dressed up like a clown? 
Oh, fucking uh, John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy. Like, John Wayne Gacy, like, the fact that he dressed up like a Like, that picture of him as a clown is more iconic than, like, John him Wayne Gacy. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's pro- he, if he didn't have that clown picture, you would probably forget about him, like, him as Poco the Clown. And I mean, how many fat people do we see walking down the street every day, like, here in Baker Yeah, you don't really think about it. You don't think that they're serial Man, I'm pretty sure my coworker's is a serial killer, now I think about it. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like... I, th- I think that that kind of just gives him the pass of like, oh, he's just a fat, lovable guy, whatever, mm-hmm. like no big deal. And then- he does have like that that doughy look to him. Like, he, you know, you mentioned that, you know, he went to Lake Berryessa to go scuba diving. He was very frequent to Larry uh, Lake Berryessa because he was an outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of which, when they did that search warrant of his house in 1991, they actually find like a foot long knife uh, that had like a sheath with rivets in it that Brian Hartnell described to a T. So, like, they, you find, like, the murder weapons mm. there. You actually find, in that 1991 search warrant, you actually find, like, a, fl- a mini flashlight, a gun, the same type of gun that was used, you know, in the first two murders and whatnot. So a lot of that stuff is there. Also, too, like, you find bombs, bomb diagrams, um, you know, a lot of that stuff, um, you know, to buy, like, the supplies for the bombs, you had to get from, like, a mail-in catalog. You know, he mentions that in his letter. There was actually a lot of mail-in catalogs, you know, where you can buy like those ammonium nitrates and fucking, you know, uh, you know, whatever, whatever other chemicals you needed for the bombs. Like that was there in the basement of Arthur Lee Allen's mm. house on 32 Fresno Street. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he's definitely like the number one suspect. And not only that, but I don't know if you have anything else left, but I kind of want to get into like when the letter stopped and how they sync up to mm. him. So basically, you know, at one point the letters do stop and you would kind of ask yourself, well, what happened to our good old Arthur Lee Allen? Why, why did Artie he... Allen. Yeah. What's going on with him? Well, he went to jail and <laughs> <laughs> around the same time period, he went to jail for a very serious crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he molested a child. Correct. <laughs> if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And it wasn't the first time because remember he tried to molest his friend Don Chaney's uh, child or children as well as in like 1966, like he gets fired from his first job as an elementary school teacher uh, for molesting children as well. Yeah, and one of the things that like he obviously had an education if he was going to be a a, a school teacher, mm-hmm. especially back in the day where like school teacher was viewed as like one of those like mm. building block jobs for uh, America's society, we're like making you, America great again. Yeah, you were up there with the senator, like you know, you matter. You were up there with Ted Cruz. <laughs> you and Ted Cruz are like on the same playing field, brother. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I mean, like he probably, you know, he not probably, he definitely had some form of an education to the point where he was an educator, a pervert. And an educator, and probably a serial killer, um, but the two things do go hand in hand. He goes to jail, and the letters stop. And I do think that that's a little bit surprising. And then when he gets out of jail, because I believe he only serves like eight years in jail uh, for that crime. And when he gets out, like the letters, like there's a whole time period, like in the early '80s, where it's like Zodiac returns, like where he starts like writing, uh-huh. you know, the San Francisco Chronicle again. Uh, this is around the time like Robert Graysmith. However true or not true this is, uh, the movie details it as well. Like where he's like he gets like these phone calls, you know that you know it's just silence on the other end. But like you know it's obviously somebody that's pissed off at him. You know it's like that um, you know passive aggressiveness. Um, and then the movie says like as soon as uh, Arthur Lee Allen dies in 1992, 
all of those silent phone calls stop. So it, like it tells you something there. Like the timeline definitely fits for that time period when the Zodiac stops writing into the San Francisco Chronicle. Hmm. I, okay, so right off the bat, I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys can tell. I think he did at least a Lake Berryessa murder. Um, I think that he had something to do with the uh, the one the cab driver murder, Paul Stein, Paul Stein murder. And now that the Paul Stein murder and that one that happened in Santa Barbara murder, I think he might have done that one as well. It's possible. Uh, when you bring up Paul Stein um, again, like Ralph Spinelli said. You know, it was almost like, what would be the motive to kill um, fucking, you know, Paul Stein? You know, maybe it was to impress um, Ralph Spinelli, you know, so you can get that, you know, that job as, you know, a, you know, a bouncer for his club and whatnot. Yeah. Because at this time, you know, in 1969, he's fucking like having a hard time, like holding down a job. Like he's he's um, a janitor at one point, like in 1969. Uh, he's working at a gas station, which is, by the way, like right next to Lake Herman Road for the first fucking murders and whatnot. Um, but um, uh, Paul Stein also and um, Arthur Lee Allen actually share the same birthday, uh, which is December 18th, to go back to that whole numerology thing. Um, and remember, too, like um, Zodiac calls... Um, um, Belli, Melvin Belli, mm-hmm. and the maid, remember the maid answers and whatnot, and says, oh, I really need to talk to Belli. And she's like, oh, no, he's out. And he goes, oh, it's a shame. I'm about to do my thing. It's my birthday. And mm-hmm. that date was December 18th. Yep. Uh, he fucking did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and uh, just put a pin in it and say he did it. He is definitely the most like convincing person that, that could have been the Zodiac Killer. Mm-hmm. Um when you take everything into account, when you take in the bloody animals, the Zodiac watch, the fact that he called himself the Zodiac, the fact that he was into the most dangerous game book, um, the... Yeah, he tells the police that, yeah. Yeah, everything that he's into, the fact that he had an education, the fact that he kind of had this, like, perverted version of reality that he liked to live in, the whole, you know, the Lake Berryessa one, I feel like is a slam dunk thing. Like, at least, I almost feel like Worst case scenario, he at least did that one. Mm. Like, that one's, like, the most, like, yeah, you fucking did it. Like, you had blood on your hands, and you had, like, you had all kinds of shit going on. You said you are going scuba diving, and now you're all covered in blood. And you were there. You said you are going to be there. But, like, I don't know, man. I think that there were at least two two Zodiac killers. I think Kane and Arthur Lee Allen, probably separately without knowledge of each other's work, we're both kind of doing the same thing. See, and that's where I was like kind of thinking, was it something separate and like one of them was just copycatting the other and like one was just taking credit for the other one's work or were they in cahoots? And I was trying to find like that connection as well. And like when you look at it, like remember I was saying how Kane, like he was following um, uh, Farron um, previous to that? Well, um, D- uh, Don Chaney, he was saying that um, that Arthur Lee Allen was very fond of a waitress at the local IHOP, which was just right around the corner, you know, from Arthur Lee Allen's house on Fresno Street, which is his mm-hmm. mom's house. He had a trailer as well, um, but he would like often visit her or whatever, and he kept reject, and she kept rejecting like his advances and whatnot too. So it's just like I was thinking, mm-hmm. I was just like, here you have this this one lady. This is the one that connects Arthur Lee Allen to um, to Kane, and you kind of think like, okay, maybe they were separate from each other and they were just admiring each other's work. 
or maybe they were just like the yin and yang. They kind of both needed each other. Because like when you look at everything, when you look at the murders, there's always one thing that doesn't fit. Like the fingerprints doesn't match fucking um, uh, Arthur Lee Allen. The DNA does not match Arthur Lee Allen. Doesn't match Kane. Doesn't like all these things. Like those very important things that would just be like the smoking gun to be able to prosecute either one of them. Maybe they just did it each other. Like you needed fucking Arthur Lee Allen. Like you said, he was a very educated man. He was a, he was an educator. You know, and um, I believe he taught biology. So you have to be pretty fucking educated to like know about shit like that, as well as you needed like that bloodthirst from Kane. So in a way, maybe they fucking they were in the same area. It's very possible that, you know, that the Farron case, that's what connects the two of them. I mean, there's too much evidence for Arthur Lee Allen just being there. Like even if Kane was the actual person that, you know, shot the gun or, you know, slashed or did whatever he did or whatever, if he was the actual person... Alan had to be there because, I mean, you know, uh, Mike Manjot, he says that he saw a brown Corvair, you know, at the Blue Rock Springs murders. Um, Arthur Lee Allen's friend had a fucking brown Corvair that he let Arthur Lee Allen drive when he was working at that gas station. By the way, that gas station was right around the corner from where fucking Mike Manjot and Darlene Farron were killed. That place was four minutes away from Arthur Lee Allen's house. Um also, too, fucking um, uh, the sister of um, Darlene Farron said that she was very familiar with a man named Lee. Arthur Lee Allen went by the—he didn't go by Arthur. He went by Lee. Um, also, too, I, I mean, in the, the end of the Zodiac uh, shows this as well, the Zodiac movie. Um, Mike Manjot actually picks Arthur Lee Allen out of a lineup and says, yes, this is the man that shot me. Like, just very, like, mm-hmm. pro- prof- profoundly, just like, yeah, this is the dude that found me. So, in a way— I think that they need, they both used each other, you know, to fill in those gaps. And then like when people say like, Oh, what about the fingerprints? What about the DNA? That's where you get like the friend Don Chaney. Um, and then you got, you know, the Ralph Spinelli, you know, person, you know, in the background where, you know, Don Chaney says that, you know, Hey, like I would lick stamps for Arthur Lee Allen. He never licked his own stamps. Yeah. Um, maybe they had, there's another friend in the shadows that would write the letters on their behalf. So that's why the handwriting analysis didn't match either one of them, either Arthur Lee Allen or, you know, Kane, because they were having somebody else write the letters. So that's my thought in it as well. There were multiple people involved in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was a whole team. Because it's just like, why is it only one person? Like, that's why I always, like, land on. Why does it only got to be one person? With the Richard Ramirez case, you're just finding one set of footprints, and you're like, oh, okay, shit. And then you have a couple survivors saying, like, oh, okay, there was one guy. With some of these cases, like, there could very possibly be another person in that car. We talk about um, the first murders, um, where it was David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, and as well as uh, Mike Manjo and Darlene Farron where he's got the flashlight at the end of the gun. That's a police tactic to blind them so they don't see what else is going on. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Mike Mangio gets shot in the head, so, of course, he probably doesn't see Kane or um, Arthur Lee Allen over here. He only sees one of them, and that's why he gives that description of a smaller person as opposed to that bigger six-foot-five person. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I, um, I, I don't know. I feel like it would be so difficult for them to work together and not have any evidence of them, like, of their lives intertwining, or at least like evidence of two people. I I do think that that um that uh Arthur Lee Allen's um like trailer that he lived in. I do think that there should have been more investigation there. I feel like they gave a very weak investigation of that of that trailer. 
But with that, the trailer, I, they only searched that trailer, I believe it was like in the 70s. They had a search warrant just for that trailer. They didn't have a search warrant for the house that he was actually also living at too, his mom's house on 32 mm-hmm. Fresno Street. They, he had those two residences and only one of them was, uh, was searched. It wasn't until 1991 where they actually searched the fucking 32 Fresno Street. When he could have already cleaned everything up. Exactly. And like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. What, like 32 years later and shit? Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I think that definitely Arthur Lee Allen was the mastermind, definitely the more educated of the two. If they were working together, I do think that he was the mastermind. It's like uh, Pinky in the Brain. Yeah. I, I do think that he probably wrote the letters, at least came up with the ciphers. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was someone else's, like a third party's hand. Maybe it was his mom's handwriting for all we know. Yeah. Um, but as far as the actual ciphers, I think that that was his doing and his his idea of putting it together. But hey, Ben Stiller, you are my favorite motherfucker. <laughs> no, so, I, I don't know. So with that said, it is late as shit. There is a million more <laughs> things we can get into. Um, I mean, wait, do you have anything else that's just like, you got to say this? Cause like, oh, shit. Because I feel like, although I'm tired, this is one of my favorites, favorite topics ever. And I just feel like, Man, it, it, they're just honestly like if, if it goes forever. Like I mean, we 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 were originally gonna do only two parts to this, and you know, last week I said, dude, we got to do a third part because yeah, the suspects yeah. are just so deep. And I feel like okay, I'm looking at the clock. It's already an hour thirty minutes in, and I feel like we're just barely giving you like the surface of you know you know the stuff about Arthur Lee Allen as well as Lawrence Kane and whatnot. But it, I mean. I'm getting lost in the notes just looking at it because there's just so much circumstantial evidence. And this is the stuff that, like, I, like, throughout the whole week was like, okay, this is important, but there's even more stuff, which is, like, questionable that Robert Graysmith, you know, included. You know, there's Detective Dave Toshi as well. He was, you know, he was the lead investigator on the case, and he, like, fully believed that it was Arthur Lee Allen. It was just those little things like the fingerprints didn't match. The handwriting didn't match. And that's like where I was getting in my head. It was just like, yo, there had to be other people involved. You know, maybe that friend Don Chaney before, you know, Arthur Lee Allen tried to molest his kids. Maybe he was in on it because he did say that he was, you know, licking stamps uh, for him, that Arthur Lee Allen never licked his own stamps. He never sealed his own envelope. So that's why there's no DNA Zodiac straight up told him that, like, hey, I'm covering up my fingerprints with fucking airplane glue. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the fucking, you know, military connection. You have all of these things. He mentioned, you know, um, in his letters that, you know, that, you know, there was busy work and he would misspell busy work. Busy work is very much a word that, you know, an elementary school teacher says, like when they give menial uh, tasks to children. Um, He misspelled Christmas with two S's. Um, as well as he says, trigger mech, you know, in the letter to Belli, uh, friends and family said that like, yeah, fucking Arthur Lee Allen would do that all the time because he thought it was hilarious to misspell things exactly like that. And they actually produced Christmas cards where you would say Mary X mass with two fucking S's and mm. shit. So, I mean, there's just so much, I mean, his references to pop culture, like those are there, like just everything. The one thing I did want to mention to you, and you had mentioned it to me prior to um, us recording, was um, the detective that had forged, fortif- fortified, <laughs> forged, uh, forged the um, some of the zodiac letters, and what you think was like the result of that? Do you think that that was just 
more like misleading information which letters was it that he was forging so like after like the remember how i said in episode two like the um exorcist letter like yeah. how like how i feel like that's the last legit um zodiac letter yeah, yeah well i guess there was letters after that like the red phantom letters mm-hmm. and whatnot but there was actual ones that like actually named dave toski and i guess there was a column in the san francisco chronicle that Toski would like secretly write in, kind of like Kevin Durant, like with those burner fucking Twitter accounts and shit. Yeah. Or um, what's the dude, um, the first take dude, the white dude, Skip, uh-huh. how he got caught for fucking um, praising himself or whatever. Oh, dang, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Oh, man. Um, but Dave Toski was doing that. Like he would write fan mail into that column um, mm-hmm. about himself. And a lot of those letters matched a questionable Zodiac letter that was naming Dave Toski. And the result of that was, is Dave Toski was actually demoted, you know, as a murder detective and went to like a beat cop and like later on in his career was like a fucking security guard, like at a JCPenney or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it told like all of this stuff, like, again, we mentioned we spent three episodes, like probably six hours, you know, covering this on air and whatnot. You know, people like uh, Robert Graysmith, Dave Toski, all sorts of like investigators, Paul uh, Avery, like all these people like just deteriorated obsessing over all the fucking details that there is surrounding the Zodiac case. Mm. I mean, definitely if this is something that interests you, you should go out and do your own research and um, don't just rely on YouTube videos because you'll find like millions of 20 minute YouTube videos that'll just kind of point you in the Arthur Lee Allen probably did it kind of scenario, which I mean, that's eventually what we come up to where we're like, yeah, it's probably he had some involvement, but I don't think it was all him. And mm-hmm. I don't think that it was all him alone. And I think we agree on that, that I don't think it was just him by himself. Um, super interesting. So many things that just come into play with, with all of his letters and the fact that, again, I think that it's super impressive that it took like some supercomputer programming to, to decode his cipher and... Um, still, you know, I think forever it's going to be one of my favorite cases until it gets solved. And I don't know if it'll ever get solved, but I mean, there's still ciphers that are out there that still haven't been solved. Yeah. Was it the 26 letter one or whatever? The 26 letter one. There's, um, a couple of other ones too. I yeah. believe there's like, even the very first one that was solved by the couple at the end, they end up with like some gibberish gibberish. And they're just like, well, that's just gibberish. We don't have to solve that. And I've always thought that that was interesting that they just ended up with gibberish and it's just like. Maybe we should look into this gibberish and see what's going on there, because it's a very evenly plotted out gibberish at the end. That's even those numbers, the like, the little box that you end up with is like a perfect little box of gibberish, which is like, hmm, interesting. And maybe that's a cipher within a cipher. Yeah, I'm always like, eh, let's look into this a little more. But <laughs> super interesting. You can go on for days. I mean, we did one episode on on um on Cicada three three zero one, and that's probably been like the other super complicated puzzle. This to me is just like this one involves like murder and possible like multiple suspects and all this shit and like police investigators are on and nothing all yeah. these years later. And I mean, and there's if you want more details, like I said, guys, uh, go to zodiackiller.com. I mean, that's been that guy's passion project since like 1996. Like that dude's been working on it, and that's like like we mentioned last episode. That thing is so dense and full, rich and full of information. Very thought out, too. It's not just some YouTube bullshit where it's just like, oh, there it is, blah, 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 like a bunch of fake news. No, it's like very thought out. Um, also, too, if you need a podcast, it's going to give you a whole lot more information than we can give you. Um, 
check out Monster, you know, the Zodiac Killer. You know, it's a it's a serial podcast. You know, they cover different uh, serial killer uh, or true crime thing. I believe their third season is the DC Sniper, which is super mm, nice. interesting as well. Uh, they spent 15 episodes covering this uh, topic. Um, super interesting uh, case. Um, only proper that we cover it for the <laughs> episode 200. Yeah, no, I'm super excited that we covered it. All three parts were very interesting. I was kind of skeptical. Like, I, This is one of those topics that we kept putting off and putting off. And I was like, ah, I don't know if we're going to do it right. I'm glad we did it and we did it right. So Cool. I'm glad I got your stamp of approval on that. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, but with that said, it is time to retire the Zodiac Killer. Fuck you, Ted Cruz. <laughs> Shout out Ted Kaczynski. Ben Stiller, you are my favorite motherfucker. Um, ben Stiller, you are my favorite motherfucker. Fred Durst, I'm glad you beat chlamydia, and I hope you do a very <laughs> good job of being a single parent. I am a single father, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He does a lot of those. I make a lot of hot dogs for my son. Got a lot of chocolate-flavored hot dogs or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, it is late. We never record this late, um, but for time's sake, we had to do it this week <laughs> on late night on a Friday night. Yeah. It is the end of the work week. I know you got a lot more to add to this art, but... Um, yeah, I- you know what? It's kind of a bummer that I don't have my notes for the last episode, but I'm okay with it. Like, I think that we did such a good job with with all three episodes i think that there are things that you said especially with with the letters of the detective i'm just thrilled that we were able to do three like really solid episodes on this topic hell yeah so uh cheers to more episodes like this art huh oh i said cheers to oh more yeah episodes cheers. like this <laughs> cheers guys. Shanky. so uh next week we're gonna do, we're gonna get out of the whole true crime uh, genre for just a little bit because I'm sick of murder for a little bit. But uh, with that said, Art, do you have anything else you wanna any shout outs? Uh, you know what? Shout out Elizabeth Jackman, shout out Elizabeth Warren, guys. I've been listening to this podcast. I was telling Jacob about it. The um the radio rental show. Oh my god, it's so fun, so like creepy and funny at the same time. I love it. If you are an office a fan of the show, The Office. I recommend it. It's basically Dwight from The Office. Oh, Rain Wilson. Is yeah. Rain Wilson. Yeah, he's he's kind of the uh, the middleman between stories. He doesn't actually tell the stories, but he's a he, crypt keeper. He's the crypt keeper style. So if you're into that whole thing, like anthologies, but in a podcast format with a little bit of that office humor in the middle, highly recommend it. Sweet. I'm gonna listen to that tomorrow because I'm going to bed right after this. So. Yeah. So with that said, everybody, make sure you check us out on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America. Except for Twitter, we are at Art and Jacob do a one uh make sure you go to the patreon where we give you a fire ass episode every single week so go to the patreon uh donate one dollar five dollars six dollars whatever you want to donate right there but that'll get a dollar will guarantee that you'll get a free bonus episode every single week that nine times out of ten and it's starting to get nine point nine times out of ten that the patreon episodes are more fire than the actual episodes so if you like these episodes you probably love those patreon episodes a lot more um Go to the T Public if you want to get some Art and Jacob Do America merch. Um, also, to make a shout out to the Podbelly Network, we are official pigs of the <laughs> Podbelly Network, uh, where you can check out other great podcasts such as the World Famous Sofa King podcast, uh, Robots for Eyes, uh, Project Reclamation, as well. I need as- to listen to that Robot for Eyes. Is that is that Nicole Smith's boss podcast? Is that like I think she did an appearance on there. Oh, okay. I saw it, some posts like that. Is that like her brother's podcast? Are they like in um, South Africa? I just assume everyone in South Africa is related. 
no, um, I think they're British. Oh, they're British? Yeah. Oh, crazy. So if they cover the Zodiac Killer, they'd have like some oh, crazy man. British fucking wit. To I know it. they covered um, the uh, the Cecil Hotel or like the Elisa Lamb story, mm-hmm. and I'm always like, that's so crazy because like I wonder how I need to listen to it just because I want to see how people from other countries view. America and not just America but California and not just California but LA like what's that like from that perspective like that's fucking crazy because that's like our backyard and we've been there like a million times so like I want to see someone who I'm assuming they've never been there so I'm just going to assume that like like whenever we cover like spoiler alert we're going we're covering something from a different country next week yes and like (laughs) like I've never been there like I don't know what the fuck but I'm going to pretend that I know some shit about it and like try to cover it as best i can but i don't know just saying i want to see how it works the other direction (laughs) so with that said everybody have a beautiful night good night